From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to The Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice because there are people in this world that we are now coming for. It is Thursday the 29th of November 2023 and welcome to today's show which I hope and pray will be the start of the end for the Covid injections. It won't happen overnight but I hope that it will soon be over and we can start to hold to account those responsible. But before we get into today's show, I have an apology to make and also some great news to break. First of all, the apology, which is to a member of the European Parliament, Christine Anderson, who I called this morning at 8.30 to see if she would open the show with me um, to talk about all of the mandates and the bullying used to force people to get the COVID jabs. Now, I know Christine well. Um, She's been on the show before and I talk with her frequently behind the scenes. The problem was she's on tour in Canada at the moment. Um, I thought half past eight in the morning was a reasonable time to call someone as busy as Christine. But as it turns out, it was actually around 1.30 in the morning. Bless her. She answered the phone to me. um, But how bad did I feel when she told me she is in Canada? Anyway, she would have come on the show today and she sends her best wishes. But given the time difference and the fact that I woke her up in the middle of the night, she won't be joining us today. And also massive good luck to her as well, because she's speaking in front of the Canadian Parliament um, either today or tomorrow. I'm not sure which it was, given that um, it was the middle of the night for her. Was it her tomorrow or my tomorrow? Um, I'm not quite sure. But regardless, good luck to Christine. So that is my apology out of the way. So now on to the great news. So during my discussion on the show with June Slater yesterday about how unjust it was for the Met Police to arrest Tommy Robinson and then pepper spray him for merely being present in London. During that conversation, I said, maybe we should get him on the show to talk about it. Well, I'm delighted to announce that Tommy Robinson will be appearing on the Freeman Report on Monday. Now, I've been upfront about the fact that I'm very wary of Tommy, as he always seems to be mixed up in some form of violence. But I shouldn't fall into that trap of making judgments about people merely based upon information I get from the mainstream media, because we know they tell lots of lies. So on Monday, in addition to discussing his treatment by the Met Police in London last weekend, I'll be asking him why much of the press paints him as a violent campaigner and why he thinks the police target him the way that they do. What a big week it's been, ladies and gentlemen. On Tuesday, I was joined by Kelly Jane Keane, um, a.k.a. the Posey Parker. Today, we're going to break a global news story. And on Monday, I'll be joined by Tommy Robinson. Anyway, back to today's show, because in a moment I'll be joined by Liz Gunn, who is a journalist and the founder and leader um, of the New Zealand Loyal Party. 
Liz has been working with a whistleblower and a group of medical statisticians for weeks now to analyse leaked data and formulate a plan on how to get the results out there into the world. The whistleblower himself is currently holed up in a safe house in an undisclosed location somewhere in the world. Um, Liz and others decided it would be unwise at this stage to bring him on the show, but he will be appearing soon, hopefully next week. Now, the reason he needs protecting is because of the significance of the data set that he has leaked, which contains the health records of the entire population of New Zealand. It includes all information about the jabs and subsequent health outcomes. It is not the linked anonymized data that is published by statistics offices around the world. No, this is the actual data. And this is important for many reasons, because as the work by heart um, here in the UK shows, there are many problems with published data that mean it simply cannot be trusted. And what about all of the excess deaths of young people around the world, people dying of heart attacks, strokes and other diseases that we've never witnesses, witnessed in these age groups before? Excess deaths have been persistently high across countries with high vaccine uptake rates. What is causing this? People in their 20s and 30s dying of these conditions is not normal. But governments continue to ignore the deaths, despite being concerned by every single COVID death at the time. It just doesn't make sense, ladies and gentlemen, unless that is, you consider the possibility that the reason governments are refusing to investigate excess deaths is because they know what we will find out. They know it would open the gates of hell and unleash a furious backlash from the public. There would be calls for trials of those involved and there would likely be civil unrest. And justifiably, given the coercion, bullying and mandates used to force millions, maybe billions around the world to get an experimental new treatment for an illness with a 99.98 survival rate, which, by the way, that was a figure that was known at the time. We've learnt from Pfizer itself recently in the European Parliament that Pfizer and others never tested for transmission before going to market. And yet the politicians and media told us that we had to take it to protect our loved ones and wider society. Protect granny is what they told us. They fricking mandated it in many countries so that people lost their jobs and their livelihoods if they didn't get it. Our leaders indemnified big pharma manufacturers and then proceeded to ignore the vaccine injured and bereaved. They were told to shut up and spreading anti-vax mis misinformation. People injured by the jabs were called anti-vaxxers, which is ironic given that their injuries were caused by getting the jabs. I've met hundreds of them in the UK. We also have it confirmed, we knew at the time, but we've now got it confirmed that the UK military, the 77th Brigade, monitored and tracked journalists and politicians like me who questioned what was going on. Information that was used by our government to then cancel and silence these people. 
I've had it confirmed via a subject access request that the UK government was monitoring my online activity and was producing reports on me. And as many of you know, this is the tip of the iceberg in terms of the heinous things that they have done to their own citizens. We have also learnt how COVID um, was worked on in labs using gain-of-function techniques, all funded by the chief medical officer in the US, the very person um, put in that position to protect citizens, Anthony Fauci, along with the US government in countries like China, because that work was banned in the US for good reason. So let's be clear, it is my judgment that there are a small number of people in this world who planned this whole thing. The release of the virus, the use of totally flawed PCR tests to inflate its prevalence, the bullying and mandating of the vaccine, which, let's be clear, is a dangerous experimental new treatment based upon a technology that has never been used on populations before. It is my opinion that this treatment is a bioweapon. For what ends? I do not know, but I've seen enough evidence now to convince me of that. And finally, the most powerful piece of evidence for me that shows beyond doubt that something has gone terribly, terribly wrong is staring us right in the face. It is irrefutable, and that is this. Given they knew the jabs did not stop transmission, given they knew that healthy children are not at risk from the virus. Given they knew that this was a new experimental treatment based upon a new technology that had not been tested properly. Given all of this, why did they give it to the children? Why did they push it on them? Children are the ones in society that we as adults normally protect. Why would they do, do that unless there is another reason they're not telling us about? Remember, they knew full well it didn't stop transmission. So why give it to the children when they didn't need it and it was a new technology that hadn't been tested properly? Remember, the average age of death from COVID was higher than the overall average age for all-cause mortality. For me, these facts show something is seriously wrong. And we're going to learn, or are we going to learn, that future generations cannot have children? Because study after study now has shown how the jabs messed around with women's menstrual cycles. We know that the mRNA does not stay in the arm, as they claimed. It travels around the body and replicates itself in muscles and tissue around the body. And that our bodies then attack these muscles and tissues which is why the jabs caused myocarditis. So listen up, folks, and help me to get today's story out there into the world. If you want to get in touch about anything on the show or to suggest a guest, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing? Morning, James. What a show you've got lined up. I mean, it's, it's revolutionary information, isn't it? It's really groundbreaking. Fair play to that whistleblower. 
It is. I mean, the challenge now, this is just the start. Like I said, it's not going to be an overnight um, thing which happens because the first thing the mainstream media are going to do if they comment on it at all is they're going to say it's a conspiracy theory. It's not really that data. Um, either that or they've made mistakes with it. They're going to try all of those tricks. Um, obviously, we've had um, really good statisticians on this, but we're also now in touch with, you know, I'm not going to name names. Um, but very prominent, famous um, statisticians at prestigious universities around the world to get them to validate the results that we've um, shown. Plus, we've actually got the data set. And I don't know what the plan is to actually publish that. Obviously, it's got names in it of everybody in New Zealand. So it's not as simple as uh, just putting it on the web. But um, and. I guess we'll hear all about it in a moment, actually, um, from Liz, who is um, helping to organise all of this. Well, I mean, I did a quick snapshot because obviously New Zealand had, uh, you know, one of the highest vaccine uptakes in the world, but unsurprisingly, because it had the toughest restrictions in the world. So, you know, people were probably at their wits end, just wanted to get back to normal. And anyone who says that this wasn't coercion, not just in New Zealand, but on a global scale, I think I'll furnish with some facts. So if it wasn't enough that you faced losing the prospect of your employment over this, there was also a fiscal incentive to get the jab in many, many countries. Austria, for example, if you were over 18 and you weren't fully vaccinated, you faced a fine of 3,600 euros. In Greece, there was a mandate for the over 60s. And if you weren't fully vaccinated there and you were over 60, you faced a monthly fine, a monthly fine of 100 euros being taken out of your uh, pay and added to your tax bill. Um, in Australia, employers were facing fines of $100,000 for having unvaccinated staff. If you were a member of staff and you weren't vaccinated, you were personally liable for $20,000. Um, going back to New Zealand, if you uh, were a venue or an employer who wasn't enforcing the vaccine passes scheme, you faced a fine of $15,000. In France, where it was mandatory for health workers, Macron actually said these words, and it's his language, not mine, um, but he was quite fruity language, I warn you. He said he wanted to piss off and put in the shit the unvaccinated and make their lives as difficult as possible. Um, you know, it, it's anyone who says this wasn't bullying and coercion on steroids needs their head examined. So, you know, if you took the jab and you're now facing health problems, you were bullied into it, you were coerced into it. Don't blame yourself. This was um, just awful what happened around the world in lockstep. And and to have the now Prime Minister of New Zealand, Chris Hipkins, who in September said, you know, he was health minister at the time, he brought the mandates in. He This September, he actually went on record on video and said, oh, we know it was a difficult time, but it wasn't compulsory. It was a personal choice. I've got one word to say to that, bollocks. Yeah, good word to use for that, because look, Jacinda Ardern was famous for saying, no, no, no. We are. That's exactly how it is. We are creating a two-tiered society where people will be punished um, for not and their freedoms taken away for not getting the jab. Absolutely disgusting. That's the only um, word for it. Right, Gemma, um, I'm going to leave you now and get over straight away to our guest um, so that we've got plenty of time to talk all about this. But thank you for those statistics from around the world there, Gemma. Right, to the rest of you. Um Brace yourself, um, and I'm going to need your help after today's show. Um, if you know how to clip video, 
um then you can do that after today's show on youtube or rumble just drag the timeline back um in in in, in into back in time rather um after the show today make a mental note of the clips you want clip it and get it out and help me to spread the word don't go anywhere tnt radio's steve malsberg 13 israeli hostages released uh as part of that ceasefire deal uh 49 days after they were taken hostage 49 days so that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages uh i'm with john bolton the former national security advisor to donald trump i'm with Britt hume of uh of fox news i'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do to do whatever they need to do to regroup to rearm to re-strategize and as much as you want the hostages back it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Right, well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a long time coming. Um, many of you will know that I've been working hard over the past couple of years to try and get that evidence to show what we know is happening with the injections um i've seen many false dawns um many times when i thought right that's it we've got it 
we've got it now and then the mainstream media have just ignored us and they, they're going to try and ignore us with this but it's important that we try again because this is the gold standard of data and so i'm delighted to be welcoming liz gunn to the freeman report hello liz hello james yes it's wonderful to be here and I do believe that. I also don't believe in overselling. I believe let people find it themselves and watch it and decide. But that they must do, and they must do it fast if they want to stop the next what I call, and many of us call, a planned demic from the World Health Organization. This is evidence to say do not go along with them. Do not say Fantastic. yes anymore. Mm. And listen, my first words are a big thank you to Liz for joining us. She is joining us from New Zealand. It's around um, 24 minutes past midnight there. <laughs> so it is very, very late in the evening. So thank you, Liz, for joining us. Um, Liz, very, very briefly, I, wouldn't, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just quickly introducing yourself. Who are you? I uh, left school and studied law and practiced law for a while. I taught law at university, law professionals. I traveled and, and did a degree at the Sorbonne. I really loved that time in Europe. And then I came back and I moved into media. There's a lot of crossover between law and media. So I did uh, a decade in mainstream media and left both law, which I thought was about justice and realized it was about who can pay for justice and media, which I thought was about truth and realized it's about who can pay for truth. I left both of them very disillusioned. So I do freelance now, James. I, I do stories that I think are being hidden and particularly in the last three years when there's been such a need seeing how sold out our mainstream media is, how ruled it is by BlackRock and Vanguard around the world and how corrupted it is. It doesn't tell the truth for the people or to the people. So I did that. And then very briefly in the election that just happened 11 weeks out in New Zealand, I looked around and thought, there's no one I really want to vote for. So I did an appeal to the country, having done two years of stories. And I said, would you like a very real group of politicians who won't even call ourselves politicians, we'll call ourselves your representatives. And we did a crazy thing. We we, uh, well, I had 1,700 signups overnight, and that was the yes that I needed. And then I found these wonderful people. And my one question, James, to each of them was, do you want to be a politician? And they had to say no. They had to not yeah. have ambition or drive. They had to want to do something very old-fashioned and serve their country and serve the people of New Zealand. And and so I've ended up with the most wonderful group and we will be continuing right through to the next election. We didn't get in this time and there are question marks over the numbers, but we haven't made a big deal over that. We know there's cheating everywhere from these governments. We simply said, let's box on and tell the stories that are being hidden and serve the people. That's what I do. Yeah, and you're right about um, people that want to be politicians. It's a pretty horrible world, to be honest with you. I've been a member of the European Parliament. I would go back if I thought I could get elected because, you know, they're the people that make the laws. They're the people that really um, are the power brokers. So it is an important job. And I know that I would stand up and and and, and show integrity. Um, but it's not a very nice, it's not a very nice um, world um, indeed. Right. Okay, Liz, let's get stuck in. Um, please, can you tell us what this data is that you've come by and anything you're able to tell us about where it's come from and who leaked it? Obviously, I don't know what you can and cannot disclose, but if you could tell us what the data is um, and who and where it comes from. 
It's a vast body of data that has um, come from 2.2 million New Zealanders who took these jabs. 2.2 million out of a population of about five and a half million. We're a small population in New Zealand, but it's very telling. This is a man who was working for the Ministry of Health, and he was uh, looking at all the data of the pay per jab. Now, in another country like the UK, even though you're a similar land size to us, your population is so much bigger than ours that you'd have a number of different people all over the UK collecting this data. We happen to have one man who is collecting all of this, looking at the jabs. It had all the evidence of the jabs and along with that, the date of the jabs, the place of the jabs. Obviously, the names of the people jabbed, that is all redacted. We would never put that out in public and the names of those doing the jabbing. I call it jabbing, not vaccination, because these were not vaccinations, as we know. They were a new technology. We don't know fully yet, none of us, what's really in it, but we know that there has been grave risk with it and a, an absolute dearth of proper research and transparency around it. So I say jab because it's such a violent word. This whole last two to three years of the rollout of the COVID-19 jabs has been such a violence upon good and innocent people around the world. And this man was no exception, James. He was watching the data come in and he was just horrified. But you see, this was his dilemma. He had to wait. He had to amass enough numbers to be able to mount the case that this is indeed a lethal jab. He had to collect the numbers of deaths across our little nation, and he's done that for two years. So what happened was I did a tour as part of that 11-week you know, election sprint that, um, that I thought you know, we could really make an impact and take the country in a different direction away from the WHO, away from the WHO, away from the UN. That resonated with him and a lot of other people. He knew he could trust me. And so he turned up at one of my meetings holding a very large folder like this across his heart. I remember him sitting in the meeting and he went up to my cameraman afterwards and said, could you just get me five minutes with Liz? And so I made that time. And I just remember sitting there reeling. It's absolutely shocking when you first look at these numbers of deaths and you think these people these people have died so gratuitously so unnecessarily and from such a you know you could call it a dupe a trick but that's far too light after i saw that data i went out and and i said to him i have to do some announcement because at least i may stop some people from taking more of these things while we get the data together and get it analyzed and when I went out on that preview saying, there is a big drop of information, I will bring it to you as soon as I can. The word I used, James, was crime. I said, New Zealand is now a crime scene to my way of thinking. Brilliant. Okay. Well, yes, I, exactly. And obviously the first priority here, Liz, is to stop anyone else having any of these jabs. But the second priority is really important as well we need to go for those people and hold them to account for what they've done across the world 
Right, Liz, we're going to take a quick break for the um, for the news headlines now. When we come back, we're obviously going to talk about what the data shows. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio. Now, TNT Radio News. Show them how it's done. Let's go. I, I got news for you. News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Former US Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died, passing away at the age of 100 at his home in Connecticut. Five military personnel remain missing at sea, feared dead, after a US Osprey crashed off the coast of Japan on Wednesday. The Palestinian Red Crescent has sounded the alarm over the dire state of the health system in Gaza, and Russia says we are unlikely to see a ceasefire in Ukraine for at least another year. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Right. Okay, Liz, the other thing to um, make the viewers aware of as well is um, it's not just me and on the Freeman Report and you that is breaking this today. Steve Kirsch um, will be um, talking about this data later today at MIT, I believe, too. He's giving a talk to students there. And we'll see lots of other journalists around the world. So um, so keep a lookout for all of this, folks, and help share it and get it out there. And could right, I Liz. your own yeah. Andrew Bridgen is going to do an announcement in the UK Parliament uh, and we are putting up an interview of him with the whistleblower tomorrow morning. He's wonderful, Andrew Bridgen. Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually interviewing Andrew directly after this show right. for tomorrow's show. We'll be playing because obviously he's, he's actually talking about this in Parliament probably right now. Um, right, Liz, I don't want to spend too much time on who's been analysing the data because um, I think we just need to reassure listeners that these are credible p- statisticians. Some of them don't want to be named. That's fine. But these are professors from universities, well-qualified people, because I don't want to run out of time. I want to talk about the actual data. So, Liz, tell us what the data shows. You know, it's 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 snapshots you get. I remember looking at one vaccinator and you follow along the line and she had she had jabbed four four hundred people who had died. I mean that that is that is horrendous. She may not even realize that. But I was in an interview with an Australian man who said, um Michael Michael Gray Griffiths from Cafe Lockdown, he said on his travels around Australia, he met a jabber who said every morning she wakes up and she reads the death notices now. And if there are any in the area where she was doing the jabs, her whole day is ruined because she's wondering, it's haunting her. Did did that jab, I was it one of mine that I did? So yes, you see the top, we've put out the top 10 vaccinators, jabbers, um, and their kill rate. And that's the only thing I can call it. But here's the rub. The whistleblower doesn't want them to be the ones who bear the brunt of it. Yeah, yeah. The whistleblower says, take it up, take it up, take it up to those at the top. What were these leaders thinking? And, you know, I've got a Kill Bill depiction behind me in my daughter's house where I'm staying at the moment. It's kind of a funky painting. But there are many who want to put these, these false leaders, these traitorous leaders, to the sword, they want, in, as a metaphor, they want them at least, at the very least, put on trial and brought to justice. So as well as that, we saw, um, I mean, there are, there are many, many clusters. It's, it's shocking to see how many clusters in small towns. And by cluster, it's, 
It's where over three people who've been jabbed at the same site on the same day are now dead within, it's often within a couple of months when you look at the column of deaths. So you'll see the date of the jabbing, and then you'll see they've died within maybe weeks, maybe months, but it's not years, uh, and, and now they're dead. But you'll see that that's the same vaccinator, that's the same batch number that was done on the same day. Oh, and another one, when you looked down the columns of these fast action jabs, a vaccinator might be jabbing people every two minutes, James. You can't have informed consent when someone comes in and it's just jab, in, out, jab, in, out. You can't be sitting and saying to someone, do you have any adverse conditions we should be aware of? Uh, is this something you've wanted to do? Are you worried about any other aspects of the vaccination. There's none of that. It's just literally poke and out, poke and out. Violent, violent medical treatment. It can't be called medical at all. So the impression I'm getting, and I haven't seen the data yet, ladies and gentlemen, um, I will be looking at it at some point, um, but the impression I get, and I did speak to, um, I'm not gonna name them, but I've been aware of this data set now for about six to eight weeks. Um, one of the, the the stories that I was told is there's an incident um, of, uh, of of evidence something that goes something like this. It was dozens of people vaccinated on the same day in the same location, and all I think it was a, a number above thirty. Um, I forget exactly, but all of them have died now. All of them, um, different ages, and of course we're seeing the excess deaths. But what I was told at the time, and this was early days in the analysis, is is the um, the the person who's leaked the data. He reckons that the the amount of people that died in total as a direct result of the jabs is in the tens of thousands. I think I think it was thirty forty thousand in that region. Thirty six over thirty six thousand, right. and you're right. The biggest cluster that we found was 52 people. Now you imagine a coach bus and everybody gets off with you, but you are the only one now two months later who's still standing, still alive. It's a shock. And there are many clusters like that, clusters of 10, clusters of 20, of 30, but 52 was the biggest cluster, same jab, same day, same batch number, obviously same center, same vaccinator and they're all gone now. Now that statistically becomes something you cannot any longer say, mm. oh, that would have happened anyway, natural causes. It's clearly, you, you apply Occam's razor, you take everything out that clearly no longer applies to a statistical group like that. And you say, it must be, the cause must be one thing that was different. And the one thing was the COVID-19 jab rollout. Now, the impression I'm getting from what you're talking about with these clusters is that it could could it be batch numbers that were particularly poisonous or because um, you're talking about vaccinators? Is it a possibility that because we know that you're supposed to aspirate when you inject somebody and we know from the likes of John Campbell and others that people weren't doing that? And this is one of the reasons why it didn't stay in the arm. It traveled around the body. There's probably other reasons why it did that as well. Do you think these could be factors or do you think, like I said, you know, is it batches? Could it be the aspiration thing? Um, I, I don't know. That, but that's the impression I'm getting. There was a, it's not all of the jabs, it seems like. It seems like there were clusters around certain batches or vaccinators. 
It's a very interesting question. I mean, these are questions that must be asked deeper, but we have a map and the top 20 worst sites. This is very odd. Uh, most of them are in the South Island, which is the least populous part of New Zealand. The biggest city, over a million people, is Auckland. And there was only one what we called a hotspot site with very, very high excess death numbers. Many of them were down in small towns in the South Island, one called Gore that only has 13,000 people, had two hotspots. Does that beg the question that that was where certain jabs were sent and that they weren't nearly as prevalent in Auckland? So there are many ways you can slice and dice this sort of data, and we believe it will keep those university professors, the people he's going to get it out to, busy for a year, years to come, James. Well, and hopefully also um, investigators um, mm. in our law enforcement, um, because, you know, look, they've got families as well. Um, the police in all countries, they'll have members of their family, their loved ones that have also died. Some of them will have died as well. And we need them to be on this and actually investigating a criminal case. And this is, of course, global as well, isn't it? Um, Liz, what do you want to happen now? Obviously, the, you're, we're getting in the process. This is the early days now of getting this data out. It is going to be in the hands of prominent professors and leading statisticians in the world. What do you want to happen now? I believe that Jacinda Ardern, who's tripping around the world and lining up at places like Harvard, telling them how our voices should be censored, a woman like that who has murdered her own people needs to have her passport cancelled immediately by the new government. She needs to be brought home and she needs to be put on trial, along with many others. Chris Hipkins, many of the Labour Party who've been turfed out unceremoniously in our election, they are criminal. They must have known about the mounting numbers of deaths. And if they didn't, at the very least, it's a case for criminal negligence in their duty of care to the people. But I, but I also think that we must push this story into mainstream media. And that, for that, to that end today, I put a call out saying, please, around the world, ring your local radio station and mainstream, your local television, your local newspaper, and insist that these numbers and the people who are brave enough like Andrew Bridgen and Steve Kirsch and all the others around the world, that their information is put into the article. Go into the data and have a look at the interviews that are coming out now. I think that we must, all of us, wake up to the very deep crimes that have been put on our families. These deaths, if you have lost a family member, it now behoves you to say, was it by chance? Would it have happened anyway? Or was it part of a criminal conspiracy by a group of people who seem to be ruled from groups like the WHO, the WEF, and the UN? The UN is very corrupt. That's what I would say. Please, everybody, read the Agenda 2030 plan and realize how dark the World Economic Forum and UN plans for our lives are and wake up, come together when when on uh, mass we say no, this stops, James, it stops. We are many and these corrupt leaders, these mad psychopathic leaders like Kissinger who's died today, they are few, they are few and we have the power as the people, that's the key.
And what's your view? I've got my own view on this question, Liz, of whether we think it was just criminal negligence um, by, and I'm not saying that every MP in Parliament knew, because I think clearly most of them, they don't know their asses from their elbow. And we know that yeah. from all the other stuff going on. You know, they were just fools taken along with it. And, and also cowards as well, because once they did start realising something was up, none of them or very few of them have actually said anything. There's only a handful of politicians around the world. But do you think that this was a global conspiracy that was planned? I do. Absolutely. I, I believe that the word conspiracy is something that should no longer have a negative or a pejorative meaning. A conspiracy theorist is someone who has critical thinking and who has had the ability to withstand ostracism and still stand up and speak our truth. There are many, many conspiracies against the vast numbers of people around the world by the very few who seem to have an entitled attitude. And in that, I would include your new King Charles. He's put out a statement recently, I think in the last day or so. I couldn't watch it. He was saying, we must make nature the center of everything. Of course, when human beings are, are in balance and not being treated in this brutish way by those people who are placed in power, by their puppet masters who answer to people like Charles and his other WEF friends, when people live in small and, and connected communities, decentralized communities, when people are not lied to, when people are not overtaxed, when they can live the quiet lives most of us want, of course we will look after nature. But trying to make us feel as if we are unwanted, you know, cockroaches on the earth, while those few know what is best for the earth and to make nature matter and not the people, it's completely the wrong way around. And I believe that attitude, James, springs from a wellspring that is so dark. It's one that is intergenerational and it's a belief in eugenics that there are certain people, there are numbers of people who can die and it doesn't matter. Kissinger had it when he talked about the boys going off to war. He didn't care about the boys dying in Vietnam. The, you know, the Hitler-esque regimes, the Stalinist regimes, they didn't care about millions of lives dying because they were the ones whose lives mattered. And I believe that goes right through to Charles. This attitude of these pathetic leaders needs to stop. And really what needs to happen is we need a whole different kind of leadership. So as part of that arrogance, that hubris, that lack of real humanity, yes, I believe this was a eugenics plan to reduce the world population in their psychopathic madness. The other thing, Liz, and I, I've said it in my introduction and I've, I've said it in the past. Do you know what? The biggest bit of inf information, the evidence showing that something has gone seriously wrong is right there in front of all of our eyes. And that is that we know children are not at risk from COVID. We knew that at the time. The politicians told us it. The statistics showed it, right? We also knew that this is an experimental new technology, mRNA, that's never been tested properly, never been used on populations. It was experimental, okay? We also know that the politicians knew at the time that it didn't stop transmission. We've learned that from the European Parliament. And yet they pushed it on our children. Now, in the UK, um, I think the numbers are fairly low, but I'm guessing they're not in New Zealand, are they? The uptake oh, for children. 
We looked at the under 40s, and I've done a piece on that. Um, there were 738, I think it was, in the database. And it's horrific going down the column and seeing uh, there was one child of six who had had three jabs. No child of six needs three jabs. I can't call them vaccinations. And then you go down to the 12s and 13s, and the page filled up with all these numbers of children having been jabbed around that age group. By the time you get to the 30s, when young men and women should be just beginning their lives, so many deaths, so many deaths. So, yeah, I, it's it's heartbreaking to see the numbers of children. I believe, I believe that we need, James, a whole new world from this. And it's not the new we world do. order. We need a rebirth of our humanity with people who are so deeply caring. And when you look at the whistleblower, I would say this, his humanity is what gave him the courage to whistleblow. And I need more whistleblowers. You need whistleblowers to come. We yeah. must have that world where people stand up and talk now and tell the truth of what they know. Listen, Liz, thank you so much for joining us at what is nearly one o'clock in the morning from New Zealand. Um, please, can you quickly tell um, the audience where they could go to actually see some of these interviews and see some of the data being presented? Thank you. It's nzloyal.org.nz and also on Rumble under Free NZ Media, Free NZ Media on the Rumble channel, which is very uncensored. And on Twitter, you'll find us on X, you'll find us as well. Fantastic. Liz, I'm going to let you go and get some well-earned sleep now. Um, you must come back on the show. And obviously, we're going to try and get the whistleblower on the show. I've got Andrew Bridgen, um, who I'm recording an interview with at, directly after this show. He'll be on tomorrow. So this is going to roll and roll, isn't it, Liz? Um, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Gunn. Thank you so much, Liz. It was a delight, James. Thank you. Right. And to the, to the rest of you, I've got another guest for you today as well. Uh, the keep them rolling in. Um, so um, don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I really don't like picking on the company I used to work for. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the people I forecasted with there. And that was at AccuWeather. And in the old days, AccuWeather was like playing for the New York Yankees of weather. It was just unbelievable. It was like the world's greatest forecasters under one roof in State College, Pennsylvania. But something has turned around over the past 10, 15 years. I think it started with the Weather Channel first. And now AccuWeather is all in on anything that has to do with global warming. Now, there's a recent blog that they put out. And the headline is, NOAA reports declare Declining snowpack means worldwide food disruptions. This is the headline from NOAA. It's a UPI article. Naturally, AccuWeather is more than happy to promote this. In fact, all the media is more than happy to promote this. There's just one problem. It's not true. Food production globally has been going up. In addition, we can cherry pick the snow cover. For instance, in the autumn, the Northern Hemisphere, where most of the land is, snow cover is going up. In the winter, it's going up. It is true in the spring, it's declining. Which, now let me get this straight. If there's less snow on the ground in the spring, don't you have a chance to raise more crops? And when you actually look at what food production's doing, it's steadily increasing every continent across the globe. Yet what does the headline say? And 
I can't blame, let's say, the Weather Channel or AccuWeather or whoever wants to just parrot this for the actual article. What I can say is, why don't you research it? Why don't you look and say, well, wait a minute, the food production is going up, the snow is going up. And a little bit of intuition here. Again, if spring is coming a bit earlier, isn't that good for growing food? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. This is the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, welcome back. Like I said um, just a second ago, um, that is just the launch today. Um, this story is going to run and run. Um, Andrew Bridgen will be on the show, or the, the, a recorded interview will be on the show tomorrow. And Liz and the whistleblower will be back very, very soon. But now um, I want to um, introduce um, Kevin from the Key, um, Freedom the Buxton Freedom Hub. Um, Kevin has been on many times before, and the Freedom, the Buxton Freedom Hub is a group um, up in Buxton which has lots of um, speakers every week. Um, they're a little group, but they have huge speakers. Katie Hopkins, I've been there, um, the Ikes, um, loads of really um, fabulous speakers. And Kevin is here with me now to announce um, a speakers festival next year. Kevin, tell us all the details. James, brilliant. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show again. Well, yes, basically, uh, delighted to announce on the 3rd, 4th and 5th of May next year, we've got a Weekend Truth Festival, the, the letters WTF come to mind. Um, that's basically where we're having um, all the UK's favourite household uh, freedom speakers uh, talk over a period of three days. Um, we have got bands as well, but basically Kate Shemirani, who's a host, a show has a show on uh, TNT as well. She's going to be hosting it uh, and MC. We've got uh, loads of really good people. Dolores Cahill, uh, Matt Letizier. Uh, we've got David Clues from UNN, uh, Mark Atwood, um, Sovereign Pete, Clive DeCarle. A lot of them actually have been to, been to Buxton, believe it or not. And we're quite experienced at hosting speakers. We've been doing it for two over two years now. And uh, basically we've been working through for the last since February, uh, the uh, myself and my business partner Nicola Mayo, uh, we basically came up with the idea of hosting our own truth festival, and uh, so we're delighted to say that's going to happen. We've been meeting regularly, two or three times a week, planning all the in intricate details, and basically we can't wait to get it started next year. Yeah, fantastic, and and um, I know that you were speaking with Katie. Is is, is Katie coming as well? Katie Hopkins, absolutely. Yes, that's right. I was going to hold back. Yeah. And say, Don't miss Katie been, Hopkins out. <laughs> the, the big hitter. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping people would see that on the website. And so we can go to the website, www.weekendtruthfestival.co.uk. Uh, you'll find all the information there. All, all the speakers are on there, all the pictures, etc. Um, there's lots of interest information. Basically, we want to gather everybody together from the freedom community and have a brilliant time. Obviously, we're part of the revolution and uh, we're just trying to do our bit for it. Yeah, definitely. And and the Buxton um, Freedom Hub is a, a fantastic group. It did start off just a few of you, didn't it? Um, and then you decided to hold weekly um, like speaking events because of what was going on at the time. And you've had, 
I mean, the list of speakers you've had rivals the Freeman Report, to be honest with you, um, the yeah. speakers you've had there. <laughs> um, it, the group is still going, isn't it? You, you're still doing absolutely, your Absolutely. Absolutely. We had a we had a meeting, um, yes, on Tuesday. Um, again, we have somebody every single week. Very rarely that we miss a week. But, um, yeah, we've had the who's who, basically, including yourself, of course, uh, to, to, to Buxton. And, uh, yeah, we've had from the those little early starts, we've sort of got the idea about maybe getting everybody together over one brilliant weekend where we get uh, all the UK's favourite truth speakers together and uh, get everybody joined together and have a great weekend, you know? Yeah, fantastic. And so what's the um, what's the location? Tell us about the location, the actual where it is in the country, in the UK, but also the the actual site itself. Tell us a little bit about that. OK, so it's a, a place called Feathernot, which is a, a farm, a huge farm um, in uh, nor the north part of the Lake District. Uh, it's a beautiful area. It's near Bassenthwaite uh, Lake and Workington, Cumbria would be where you'd sort of put in your on your sat nav, so to speak. Um, there is on the website, we've got three, uh, three word, the three word, what three words, which basically tells you exactly where the location of the gate is. But basically, it's a huge farm. Now, we can actually get on there around seven or eight thousand people so we could be the new uh, glastonbury of the Fest freedom festivals <laughs> <laughs> but i uh, we're expecting around about a thousand people to be fair um hopefully more but uh expecting that number and uh yeah we're glad to, if you could come along james and perhaps uh host some of the uh, oh no i'll the, be there great stuff. i'll definitely Very be there kevin Excellent. now the dates it's on the third to the fifth of may which um it's not in the summer, but as we all know, in the UK, we always get our best weather in May and June. It was absolutely fabulous this year. It is every year. And then everyone says, yay, it's summertime. And then what happens in July and August when um, when the summer actually comes? It rains. Yeah. Um, and festivals like Glastonbury are washed out. Exactly. Well, that, we thought thought about that. And uh, yeah, each year, May seems to be a scorcher. Certainly has been since yeah. uh, the pandemic anyway. And uh, so we thought, you know, why not go for the early part of the, the year? Plus, it gets everybody buzzed up for the rest of the year. Um, obviously, the summer, hopefully, uh, carry on being good weather. But usually, May is good. Right. OK. And, and tickets go on sale. Is it today they tickets. go on sale? Tickets are on sale. We've already had a, quite a bit of interest. We've had quite a few bookings this morning already, actually. So the word's getting out because we have actually put it out on. We're on uh, there's a Facebook cha uh, channel, and um, we've also got. I've just set up a Telegram channel as well. So if you look for Week Weekend Truth Festival on Facebook, it's there. There's probably nobody joined it yet. So maybe you can be the first to join, perhaps, uh, James. Um, and then we've got uh, the Telegram group. And we're going to be trying to put put things out on uh, on social media generally. We're trying to work work, work, it, work our way through into getting a Twitter account, which seems to be quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, For some reason. Okay, Kevin. What what I will do um, after the show is um, I'll go and seek out the Weekend Truth Festival, the website, and everything, and I'll pin it on my um, X account for any of you um, who want to just go over there and and find it um, there. Um, right. What else? Um, no, so it's in the Lake District. Um, it's going to be fabulous. Um, the tickets. What else can um, you say about it, right. Kevin? Absolutely. So basically, we've got tickets ranging from for a weekend at the moment. We've got some early bird tickets, seventy nine pounds. So that gives you three nights. That's even if you've got a camper van. That's per person. So basically, you'll uh, get the whole weekend. That gives you access to the basically we've got the weekend truth festival private members club. 
that gives you access to all the speakers. So uh, if you see that, go to the website and find it there. That will be basically uh, the best way. We've also got um, some other tickets for children, etc. So yeah, just go and see it all on the website, weekendtruthfestival.co.uk. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you get yourselves over there and get your early bird tickets now. Right, sadly, we've run out of time, but don't go anywhere. Stick with us on TNT Radio. TNT Radio.